TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. I'm Paula Degnan. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. Also joining me today, Odyssey's Jill Widra and Paul D'Angelo. They have details on some special events coming up for you to celebrate the holiday. And speaking of celebrating, you want to do it safely. So we're going to hear from Carissa Rowland and Scranton Deputy Fire Chief Daniel Holowich. They have firework safety. Rebecca Ryback is here. She has boating safety. And Dr. Nancy Fitch from MedExpress Wilkesbury will tell us about swimming safely. We'll start special edition heading to the movies. Where else would you film the movie Nanticoke? Odyssey's Doc and Chewy caught up with the producer and one of the leading actors who's from Dunmore. Starting us off, meet Vaughn Rudlaw. He just got back from the International Film Festival in Cannes, France. Vaughn, it's a pleasure to have you back again. The last time we spoke, well, I'll let you tell everybody in case they missed our last interview when we talked about where you were going and what you were doing. So can you start by giving us the background of how all this came about? So through through my school, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, I joined a program to go to France for this year's Cannes Film Festival. And when all that happened, did you have to do anything special or you just joined the program and they said, okay, come on, let's go. And what exactly are you taking at the school? I'm majoring in film, specifically directing and writing. But for the program, you had to sign up and go through an interview process. And about 15 or so students were chosen to go on the trip. And I was one of them. So now here you are with this group of folks and you're going to go to the Cannes Film Festival. Tell us about it. What was that like, Vaughn? Here you are, students, mixing up with all these people. First of all, we have any names we can drop? I didn't get the chance to meet them, but I saw people like Martin Scorsese, Wes Anderson, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro. Lots of A-list celebrities and, you know, actors and directors I got to see while I was out there. So what were some of the things that you actually were able to get into? Well, we got a full pass access to any events that we wanted to go to for the entire festival. Most of our time there was spent going to screenings. And if we did not have a ticket for a screening, it was spent waiting in the standby line to hopefully get into the theater, which had a decent success rate, I would say. Other than all the screenings we went to, there were a couple in the Grand Lumiere Theater, which is the biggest theater at Cannes. We got to walk the red carpet. You had to wear a tuxedo. It was a huge, beautiful theater. Before the the film started, the cast and crew walked in. We watched watched the film with them, uh, which was a very, very cool experience. Um, Other than that, though, we went to uh, this pavilion by all the theaters called the American Pavilion. That's where all the English-speaking people kind of uh, hang out. There was food and drinks, and you can connect with other people who are somewhat in the film industry. We got to go to uh, panels, like panels with actors and directors, and watch them speak and ask questions on... uh, what they've been doing and how they got into the film industry. What were some of the films that you were able to see screened? Well, some of my favorites that I saw screened was Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, 
Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest, Corey Ida's Monster, Todd Haynes's May December. Those were all a couple of top films that I saw at the festival. If any screening you can get, you want to go to in any other theater, you can wear whatever you want. But past six o'clock, if there is a premiere going on going on at the Grand Lumiere Theater you had to wear a tuxedo. So now that you've had the opportunity to actually be with all these folks, what has that done now to your thought of what you're pursuing? Some of the thoughts I had while at Con, being in the Grand Lumiere Theater with the cast and crew before the film screened, I've had some thoughts. It must take a lot of a lot of hard work to get into this position. But once you're here, it must have such a re- rewarding feeling um, having all these people come out and see your film and being regarded in such a, a high view of so many people just because of the art that you made. I said to myself, I'm willing to put in that work to one day get to that point in my life, in my career. Did they offer anybody along the line? With Did anybody have any advice? I mean, the best the advice I, I heard at Khan and t- even talking to established directors before going to con is when it comes down to it just make a film that speaks to you and that you enjoy because no matter what you make you're gonna you're going to find an audience for it in one way or another so just make what you want and people will gravitate towards it when you are there and you're seeing all these different films have you had any ideas so that maybe you might start working on something and just for the heck of it Submit it to Khan in the future? Yeah, there were a, a couple shots or themes or messages that really resonated with me that I would like to interpret in some way in the future. I mean, I would like to try to submit a short next year, but the only thing that's really holding me back is the cost and how expensive it would be to submit a short to the Khan Film Festival. But before submitting to Khan, I do plan on submitting to Jim Thorpe Film Festival and the Westchester Film Festival. Going to Con and being there for about 11, 12 days and watching so many films, three movies, but in a row, some days. I will say that it's a very incredible experience and, you know, not a lot of people can say that they got to go to the festival. I will say, though, watching so many films in so many days gets very tiring. It gets towards the end. But if I had the opportunity to go again, I would absolutely, absolutely take it because, yes, while all those things do happen, it was such a great experience that I would just love to do it again. I'm sure it won't be long until Vaughn is back here talking about his movie. Speaking of movies, Odyssey's Doc and Chewy talk with producer Michael Jenkins from Same World Productions and Austin Monahan, a leading actor in the movie Nanticoke. There's a movie being shot in our area called Nanticoke. And uh, Austin Monahan, who is one of the stars of the movie, is here with us right now. And Michael Jenkins is the guy behind it all, making it happen, is sitting right across from us here, too. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. So tell us, how did it all come about, the Nanticoke, the movie? Yeah, um, I actually start off, so my name is Michael Jenkins. I'm the producer with Same World Productions for the film Nanticoke. This actual production, actually, the inception of the idea came about in 20. 13, 2014, mm-hmm. our executive producers, John Smith and Karen Mehta, developed the f- script, and Karen Mehta actually is from Nanako. So oh, that's okay, where, cool. Um, we decided to bring the film because of the town and the history of the town, and we thought it would be a quite good place to kind of do a horror film, right? <laughs> so they actually was coming up with the idea during that time, and they actually had an investor that passed away right before, so the production was on hold for a minute, and then COVID came, and then it was another Right, everything hold. gets put on hold everything at that point, hold. yeah. So um, we actually, I came with, I came in November, December, and signed on with the production around that time, and then we started putting all the wheels in motion, and now we're in principal photography, so. How do you, like, how does it all come together? Give me the quick version of it. Like, okay, we're going to shoot in Nanticoke, then we're going to pick areas we're going to be. Do you have to get, like, permits to close down streets, or how's, how's a lot of it done? Yeah, so... The beautiful thing about shooting in the city of Nanako is that we have so much of the local support, even from the city, uh, with fire department, police department, and with the mayor. So we actually have the mayor that's going to be in our movie shooting this week. Oh, that's so cool. As the mayor? Yes. As the mayor, he shoots his scene this week. So he's very happy. We actually did some shots in front of his house last Friday. Mm -hmm. So he was there. um, And that's how it came about. It was just more a sense of, 
us executive producers talking to the community and the community being open and flexible to work with us. The storyline, what's the storyline, you know, basically like, how does it end up in Anacoke? What's the concept and what happens? Well, the concept of, the, of, of any type of horror, there's always a concept. So our movie story plot is a former um, baseball player as a star is coming back to his hometown to find out there's something totally wrong and an experiment, a military experiment that went wrong, hence turning into people, turning people into zombies and vampires. So <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting plot line. And during the production, it was very interesting during development and the pre-production phase because there was a couple of script revisions and watching the writers kind of get this idea of the vampires and what else to do and the goriness of it and then make them sophisticated yeah. and, and at the same time contemporary. So it was very interesting to kind of see that development come about. So And we have Austin Monaghan who is here. Austin, you're one of the actors. Are you the main guy? One of the main guys. Man, one of the main guys. And you're from Northeast PA. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I am from Dunmore, Pennsylvania. Um, shout out Bucktown. <laughs> Having this production being so local to me is, I'm beyond grateful. Right. So you've and been out in L.A. for a while, but here's something that falls in your backyard back home. Yeah, totally unexpected. Um, I saw their listing on a site called Backstage, auditioned, got a little bit of a call back. And, you know, you always have your hopes up for these types of opportunities, especially if you want something close to home. Right, right. And luckily, gratefully, they love me and... I was so, so... My parents got to be thrilled, too, that you're back home, family, everybody yes. here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sleeping in his own bed, that's got to be nice, you know, <laughs> when something like that happens. It's a perk. So how long was the process? Okay, so you you went to that site and you apply, I guess, and submit a lot of pictures and work and all that. How long is the process before you got the word that, hey, you're our guy? So I did that, I think, in mid-February. Mm -hmm. And then, like, two weeks later... I got a message, and I was like, ah, oh, here it is. Here's a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> we like yeah. you, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw amazing welcome to the cast. And I was, I remember the moment I was in my room, and I just let out a big scream like, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is so cool. And from then on, just talking with Michael, mm -hmm. then meeting Karen, John, and Alexa. And then, then from there, then did a couple of Prince, uh, uh, shots in uh, late April, and then started filming on uh, last Monday. And Off and so, running? Nothing but great things. Michael, <laughs> is there a target date when this would be available for people to see? We're hoping to go into pre-production right after the 23rd. So we our editor will be actually on site this week. So mm. we're going right into editing. Wow. We're hoping to, our projection is later this year, early 2014. So is it possible a Halloween kind of release or no? Is that is that like if everything well, is going 100 miles an hour? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love that, you know, yeah. especially for marketing purposes. Right. But, um, it, when it goes into post-production, you want to make sure that it, it's it's there and we get everything we need before release. Correct. So yeah. It's very hard to determine that as far as like, I want it for October 31st. Can it, can it possibly yeah, happen? Yeah. Hey, you you know, want, and you want it to come out right. You want it to come out perfect yeah. at that point. But I did want to add something about Austin um, when he was talking with his casting. Um, we, all the executive team and the casting director, we, when we seen this picture, we already knew we had our vampire David. Yeah. So it was it was like a no-brainer. It was yes across the boards when we seen the, the audition. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's, yeah. awesome. That's good news. They're like you're yeah. blushing and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> the new movie, which will be coming out soon. We can't give you a date just yet. Nanacoke and the executive producer, Michael Jenkins here. And uh, one of the stars in the movie, too, Austin Monaghan, who is from Dunmore. And these guys both have really cool stories. We were talking, you know, to you, Michael, about your lineup or your way that you got here. And Chewie was just asking you, like, how did you get to the point you're at? <laughs> Very interesting story. Um, I started out doing club promotions and radio and music. I was working in a local music industry in New York, um, working for a couple of different record labels, doing street promotion and getting promotions out and marketing for their artists. And then from there, believe it or not, I decided to go back to college and I got my degrees because I want to make sure I get a back up to back up to back up. <laughs> yeah, well, good and, idea. Um, I'm actually a master's level um Counselor, and I was a licensed counselor, so I do therapy as well, too. Oh, wow. And I work in mental health um, and That's substance awesome. abuse. And from there, I started writing. I've always been a writer, though. So since high school, um, always been a writer. And my writing pretty much went professional when I got signed to AOS 21. I did my first poetry chapbook about 2015, I believe. And then that next year, 2016, I submitted a poem for Anthology, and there 
independent publisher contacted me and I was signed to their house, their publishing company for about five years. I produced my second poetry book and I turned that into a stage play, um, 18 poems and I wrote the dialogue and turned those poems into the dialogue to create the characters. Then and you had the bug at that point, right? Play. Like, yeah, all right, let's see where this goes. Yeah, it was more a sense of me experimenting with my creativity as a writer. So that went that way. And then I'm starting, right now I'm doing the short films. And how I got to film, it really was, believe to me, I think it was destined, but it was kind of a try error for me. Mm -hmm. I got selected to on one project to be a script supervisor. That was my first film project as a script a scriptee. And from there, like uh, like also mentioned, that was the bug for film. Even though I was familiar with the yeah. medium, I just never really focused in film. And then from that one row, I guess that was, I call it my divine intervention, because from <laughs> that one row, it's been constant. Yeah. It just so, went sky up. And that's that great. Row. And that's yeah. fantastic. Now, Austin, we got you here. We're asking you, like, where did you get the bug? When did you get started acting? Uh, well, I got started around like 23, 24 years old when I moved out to Los Angeles. But I've always had an itch for it ever since I think I was about 14 or 15 years old. Uh, I saw The Dark Knight and watching Keith Ledger's performance in that and just seeing what an actor can do really inspired me. And just seeing how you could change an audience perspective yeah. on yourself. So did you do some like uh, theater for high school? Not theater per se, but just a lot of skits and stuff like that my mm -hmm. friends would do. And then in college, I sat in on a lot of classes, studied a little bit, and then moved to Los Angeles. And then from there, a lot of short films, a lot of student films, and like, you, you'll love it all. Yeah. Like someone asked me the other day, what do you love about filming and acting? I said everything. Yeah, <laughs> There's exactly. that one bad thing that I don't really like about it. The schedule could be hard, mm -hmm. but like we were saying earlier, it could be... You to be doing manual labor. Yeah, you could be somewhere. breaking your back, and then sometimes <laughs> you're doing, uh, you know, some other jobs where it's a lot more fun. Although you guys have a hectic schedule, like a lot of people think, like, oh, you guys have really fun in radio. Like it's, you guys don't work that hard of a job. You sit and talk. I mean, at the end of the day, we both wake up at 3 a.m. and we're mm -hmm. here really early and we're here really late. We got no, a crazy but we schedule, but we, we love what exactly. we do. You're yeah. telling us about how today you're gonna fil start filming in what, like a half hour? You guys said, and then you guys are doing until <laughs> 10 o'clock tonight. tonight. Hopefully, it ends at 10 o'clock tonight. You guys might go till 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, no, not add. on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Need your beauty sleep. You got to go home and go to bed. Here with the with the guys from Nanticoke. And th thank you guys so much for coming in. Oh, we cannot wait. Us. We're going to be watching. We're going to be standing on pins and needles waiting for uh, for this movie to come out. Oh, because, man. it's you know, like you said, it's, it's right in our backyard. It's named after a place right in our backyard. With one of the actors from right in our backyard. You're right down the road in Allentown. So the executive producer is from right down the road in our backyard. Yeah, so it is. And it's kind of cool. All the actors then are. Not all the actors, but all the locals that are involved all are pretty much people from Nanticoke at that point, like extras and we things have, like that. We have more extras that's probably in the film than our supporting on lead um, roles up in Nanticoke. But yeah. we have a good mixture of talent that's coming from a lot of different states. So awesome. a lot of different people. Did like you get that. a lot of people also that are, say, local actors at different theater groups around here that said, oh my God, you guys are doing this. Hey, uh, here's my resume. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Well, not per se yes. that. Just like, the, I was just saying, like, what you guys are doing are amazing. Like, mm -hmm. we can't wait to see it. And all the love and support from you guys as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank we'll you. We'll definitely invite you guys to the premiere. I'll make sure. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, definitely I'll take that. There. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Michael Jenkins, the executive producer, and Austin Monaghan, uh, one of the main guys. So you're the vampire, huh? Yes, sir. All right. He's <laughs> in there from Dunmore. We're looking forward to that one on the big screen. Now, don't go away. Summer or 4th of July, safety's important on Special Edition. Be safe all summer. We'll talk fireworks, boating, but starting us off, Dr. Nancy Fitch from MedExpress Wilkes-Barre. Getting in the water? Swim safely. Dr. Fitch, you're back, and we're going swimming. Got my trunks on. And what else do I need in order to be safe, even before I think about sticking my big toe in the water? Well, you got to make sure that everything else is in place for a safe day at the pool, at the lake, at the beach. So... You know, number one, sunscreen. You got your sunscreen on. Number two, do you have a buddy? Make sure you're not swimming alone. You know, even if you're an accomplished swimmer, accidents can happen. So make sure you're not alone and make sure you're at a safe place for swimming, preferably with a lifeguard. But sometimes that's not always possible. That's where the buddy system really comes in handy. And make sure you're staying hydrated and not have any alcohol around. I know that's a buzzkill. Sorry. 
But again, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't think about because when you're swimming, especially not in a pool, uh, the lake, the ocean, things can happen under the water that we're not even really knowing what's going on under there. Correct. And you know what? Even if you're a strong swimmer, things can happen. Um, you know, as an emergency physician, I had a young little girl come in once about, I think she was about eight or 10, very strong swimmer, little fish had been swimming underwater from the time she was a year old. And she was playing in the pool, her parents were sitting alongside the pool, talking together. And because she was just having a good time and was doing something she'd done all along, and she was diving in and out of an inner tube. No big deal, you think, right? In diving in and out, and she dove in, but the inner tube had little prongs on it that held a rope. And this long, beautiful, thick, curly hair got stuck. And it kept her from coming back to the top. And because of the size of the inner tube, she couldn't get her feet on the ground on the bottom of the pool. She couldn't flip herself up because she was stuck. And she had a near-drowning experience. Strong swimmer in her own pool. That's yeah. That's very scary. Very scary. And the parents finally realized when they when she was kicking and thrashing, which she was doing all day long, but when she stopped and they they obviously caught her, she she did well. But you know, it just kind of brings to mind here's a strong swimmer in her own environment, using stuff she's used all along, never had a problem, and then there was one. Had she been swimming alone? this story would be have a very different ending. So, and that's the point is that you don't, you can't always anticipate accidents happen. That's where having somebody with you and not swimming alone and kind of being aware of your surroundings and just being as safe as you possibly can, because there are some things you just can't prepare for. Is that why sometimes they say that a drowning is a silent? Yeah. You know, and the thing is with drowning, you know, you can have a wet drowning or a dry drowning. Um, you know, a dry drowning is basically, we've all had water go down the wrong tube. You're eating and all of a sudden, whoops, it goes down the wrong tube. Well, there's not a lot of water that goes down, but it starts what's called laryngospasm, where the, the larynx starts going into spasm and, and it shuts off your airway. You have trouble breathing, you can't swallow. If there's enough, could feasibly drown in a teaspoon of water. You know, we've all heard that. But it is a matter of the, you know, the airway getting cut off and it's this asphyxiation, you know, lack of oxygen and everything just starts that cascade. And then, of course, in the water, as you so as you described from that poor little girl, that you can be thrashing around, but people may not even notice because they're doing their own thing and they expect you to move around in the water. Absolutely. They expect you to be thrashing, but it's someone keeping an eye on the fact that you're going up and then back under and then coming right back up and going back under and up back and forth when they realize that, oh, wait, she didn't come back up again to go back under again. That's when they realized that she was in trouble and the thrashing stopped. And that's when she was losing consciousness. So, you know, having a lifeguard who is more trained to look for those changes. But again, you know, it's hard to keep track of so many people. Some pools do a number of limits you know, of how many people can be in the pool at a time. But it's just a matter of being alert and being focused because even adults can have an accident that can end badly. Right. Slip and fall and hit your head and you just don't know what will happen. So what are some of the other things that as we're heading out now this summer, we can take along with us? I know, you know, in the pool, we have the noodles that people hang on to. So are those the kind of things that we should be looking at to make sure that before we go in the water, we have with us? They're not true life preservers. You know, if you're in uh, a larger body of water, this safest thing that you can do is wear a properly fitting life jacket. They are there for a reason. A noodle or an inner tube is not meant to be used as a life preserver. As evidenced by this young girl, she was bouncing around in an inner tube. Had she been doing that on a lake, it's not meant to save a life and neither are the noodles. They're not reliable. The buoyancy varies where life jackets are approved and are that's their purpose. They're there to keep you afloat and to keep you safe. And we're also talking about other aspects of summer safety, especially when we're near the water. So 
probably someone in your group might want to know CPR? Absolutely. We all should know CPR, but it's definitely been a proven fact that in the case of a drowning slash near drowning, someone who gets CPR performed very, very early is going to have the best outcome. CPR performed early for any type of an emergency that it's required is going to have a better outcome. Learn it. It's easy. It's not hard. And for somebody who's listening and might want to learn it, how can they go about doing that? So the Red Cross is probably the best avenue to reach out to, to see where they're doing classes. You know, those of us in the medical field, we actually, we do the, a lot of the online courses that keep us up to date on the changes in CPR and advanced cardiac life support. And then we just go and take the test. But an in-person class where you get a chance to practice, you get a chance to ask those questions and have it demonstrated to you and to go over those important details is the best way to do it. And the Red Cross, your local fire company or ambulance company can also give you some tips. They often will run classes for the neighbors. So those are other options of places to check into. Hospitals can point you in the right direction of ongoing classes. Now, my question. Mom always used to say, you just had that hot dog. Now you can't go swimming for an hour. True or false, Dr. Fitch? Oh. And why is yeah. that? You know, it, it, it makes sense that, you know, the biggest risk is that you're going to get nauseous, maybe vomit. And it's just nobody wants that in their pool, first of all. Nobody really wants to see that. But the blood does get distributed back to the stomach to help digestion. But if the muscles are being used, it's not going to, you're, you're not going to lose your muscle strength or anything, especially in the case of an emergency. The adrenaline is going to kick in. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, give your stomach time to settle. It's not fun being out in the water if you don't feel well. So give yourself a few minutes. But if there's no hard and fast rule as to how long, just use common sense. I think mom just wanted a break from watching us out in the water for a while, actually. (laughs) I think absolutely. (laughs) Dr. Fitch, anything else as far as uh, water safety that you would like our listeners to know today? I think, again, the the buddy system is really important, whether you're in your pool or a friend's pool, the lake, the the beach. Be prepared for the weather. Be on the lookout for thunderstorms. Those kinds of things are important to be alert for. And the sun and hydration. You know, those are common things for just the summer in general. You want to make sure you have your sunscreen on. Reapply it after two hours in the water after you towed off. Getting sunburns a bummer of a way to ruin the summer, too. So common sense. In the water safety from Dr. Nancy Fitch, MedExpress in Wilkesbury. Now, how about on the water? Rebecca Ryback from the Northeast Highway Safety Program tells us. Rebecca's here and we're going to switch it up a little bit. Instead of DUI, it's BUI. Explain, please. The 4th of July holiday is coming up. And if we get blessed with great weather, a lot of people will be on the waterways, boating, having 4th of July cookouts and parties. But we want to remind everybody that it is against the law to drive impaired on a boat, just like it is against the law to drive impaired in a vehicle. So we want to remind everybody that there are going to be officers on the water watching that everybody is partying safely and you could get pulled over for boating under the influence on the water. You could get a up to a $300 fine. Um, you may see jail time. So you really want to be careful that you are operating your boat safely. We also want to remind everybody that if you are boating under the influence and didn't get caught per se, a lot of the people that are driving this boat are now getting off of the boat, getting on land and getting in their car and driving home to their destination. So it's almost like a double whammy. So if you are someone who owns a boat, If you're going to be on a boat with somebody, just make sure they are driving that boat sober. Rebecca Ryback with the Northeast Highway Safety Program. And don't forget, make sure your boat has life jackets. Now on land, how about firework safety? Now we're going to hear from Carissa Rowland, Executive Director and CEO of the Burn Prevention Network and Scranton Deputy Fire Chief Daniel Holowich. Carissa, let's start with you. Tell us why you had this event today. What were you trying to get the word out about? The Burn Prevention Network is a statewide nonprofit, and our mission is to reduce the risk of burns and empower burn survivors and their families. 
Celebrate Safely PA is our statewide multi-channel, multi-partner public health campaign to reduce firework injuries and fires in the Commonwealth of PA in anticipation of the 4th of July holiday. So we know that since things have relaxed with fireworks in Pennsylvania, there has been a huge uptick of firework injuries and fires happening as a result of fireworks. And we really want to get the word out to folks to let them know how they can continue to celebrate, continue to have a good time, but to do that in a safe way. Can you give us one tip that would be something that people would be able to say, okay, I can do it. And Carissa, that's still going to be fun. One of the things that we really encourage folks to do is to provide glow sticks for small children and elementary school children. We know that a lot of people give kids things like sparklers, but sparklers actually are as hot as a blowtorch. And children are experiencing injuries and burns as a result of using those. Kids have the same amount of fun with glow sticks. They're easy to use and they're safe for families. Let's go over to the assistant chief. With you, I would like to focus on the idea of fireworks. Now, of course, in the city of Scranton, recently there has been a change in the way that fireworks can be put off. So what is that, first of all? Correct. Uh, that's an extension of the uh, the legislation that's statewide. Currently, right now, it's in front of council. And really what it's designed to do is to give people uh, the freedom and the ability to celebrate the 4th of July and other holidays. But also it takes into consideration um, the, the safety of those in the surrounding area uh, where those firework displays are, are occurring, um, both from from the potential of a fire to happen, as well as just, um, you know, peace of mind to know that they're, they're celebrating safely. So we, we established some parameters for the ability for folks to enjoy the festivities. Deputy Chief, I know you've had some experience, I'm sure you've had in the past with fireworks. What would you say that people who have the opportunity to take them and go someplace and set them off, what are some of the safe things that they should be doing? So one of the biggest things that, that we've seen, and, you know, like as Chris has mentioned, there, there's an uptick. And it's not necessarily the uptick that we're concerned about. It's the severity of those incidents that occur around the 4th of July. They're usually pretty detrimental. So one of the biggest things we see is uh, the mixture of alcohol with fireworks. And that's very um, hazardous because there's such an inherent risk with lighting fireworks off that anytime you inject alcohol into that equation, it, the, the end result is usually not, not ideal for anybody involved. So we, we try and preach the idea that if you're going to celebrate, we want you to celebrate safely. There are risks involved. Understand those risks and, and try to mitigate them the best way that you can. And that's certainly uh, including not mixing with alcohol. Are there things that people should have on hand if they are setting off fireworks or a certain location that they could, that they should be looking for in order to do this safely? So what we're looking to do with this uh, legislation in the city is to create a distance, a barrier away from structures. So uh, it, it restricts the lighting of fireworks within 100 feet of any occupied structure or any structure vehicle for that matter. So you want to have a safe distance away from those objects as well as not do it on any city property. So a sidewalk, the city street or any of the parking areas and parks owned by the city kind of prohibits the idea of lighting fireworks. But one of the things that you can do if you find a safe area to do it and you've, you've measured all those risks, Take a bucket of water with you. That way, after all is said and done, you can make sure that you're dousing those those dispensed fireworks and then they're not going to ignite at a later point in time. How do you know what you're buying? Because there's so many things out there. There's so many things that come in these packages. Is there any way to know exactly what they do? So in, in Pennsylvania, uh, anybody can buy Class C or consumer-grade fireworks. and They should be labeled appropriately. Uh, and on the uh, the packing or the uh, the packaging of the actual fireworks should kind of be some safety features as well as a brief overview of what the, that firework is intended to do. So you want to do some some due diligence in, in when you're purchasing fireworks to make sure that you're not buying something that you can't handle uh, in your space and or something that's going to be a little bit more dangerous. But for the most part, all Class C and consumer-grade fireworks have a, a warning labels, and purchasing people should really take a minute to look at those and, and make sure that they're able to achieve all the uh, quested criteria. Carissa mentioned the glow sticks, which are good because they are safe. There's no burning there. 
But let's address just so the people know those sparklers, they get pretty hot. Yes, they do. They can they can lead to some severe burn injuries and the challenging component of that is that little kids enjoy them. The idea to replace something that's safe with something that's very hazardous is high on our priority list because they're marketed more so towards children, and, and we, we've all seen pictures with children running around with them, uh, so it's kind of hard to get past that, but there are safer alternatives that are as enjoyable, if not more so, than the sparklers themselves. Anything else that you, either you or Carissa, would like to add to uh, our safe 4th of July celebrating? If you're going to go out and you want to enjoy yourself, please take an extra couple of seconds and consider Consider the risks associated with fireworks and do your due diligence in preparation. Thanks again to Carissa Rowland, Executive Director and CEO of the Burn Prevention Network and Scranton Deputy Fire Chief Daniel Hollowich. Now, don't go away. We're going to tell you where you can celebrate safely, see the fireworks and have a great time. That's next on Special Edition. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Edition. Next on Special Edition, we're going to tell you about two big events coming up where you can celebrate safely and have lots of fun this 3rd and 4th of July. We're starting off with the Scrantastic Spectacular happening in downtown Scranton on Courthouse Square. Here's Odyssey's Jill Wydra. Jill Wydra's here and she's got the fireworks and we're ready to go. Where are we going, Jill? (laughs) Well, Monday, July 3rd. 4 p.m. The place to be is Courthouse Square, downtown Scranton. We have the Scrantastic Spectacular. Uh, this year, obviously, you no, know, I should say every year, sponsored by Lackawanna County and also Lehigh Valley Hospital, Dixon City. Um, it's a great day. You know, come out after work. We're going to have fireworks at the end of the night, but everything begins around 4 o'clock. We have food, food trucks, um, some craft vendors set up around the square games and bounce houses for the kids, face painting for the kids, local bands on the side stage. We have two local acts, one acoustic act, Tracy Jane Sinclair, and Uppercut is the band. And then at 8 o'clock on the main stage, which will be over on Washington Avenue, we have Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic Brass and Percussion members, and they are going to be performing until the fireworks start around 945. So um, it's going to be a great time. As usual, you know, we always have a lot going on. This year, it is on a Monday. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit busy downtown, but the streets will be blocked off and everybody will be able to sit down and enjoy and relax after work. It sounds like, once again, it's going to be a scrantastic, spectacular event. And you have just made it bigger and bigger. And the group that you're with, it seems like you're starting already to plan next year and this year hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> That's correct. It pretty much happens that way every year. And, you know, it's not, you know, obviously Odyssey, we at Odyssey, we work together. It's a big partnership event. So um, Lackawanna County, the Lackawanna County commissioners, they really help put this together with us. Scranton tomorrow is very instrumental in the fireworks. Uh, the city of Scranton, obviously, they, they put forth a lot of effort and 
give us a lot of great, you know, help during the day with everything. And um, also we have Alema who came on board as one of our fireworks sponsors this year. So we have a lot of people we're working with uh, and, you know, we're trying to make the event bigger and better each year. Got to give our shout out to the Lackawanna County commissioners, too, because I understand they're out there and they're doing their part as well. Not only working behind the scenes, but maybe even being there as the crowd is forming. And what about being there as the crowd is forming? You've been there a couple of two, three different times. Where do you see, where is the favorite Jill Widra watching spot for the fireworks? Well, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We actually have a new location for the fireworks this year. Um, in the past, For the past couple of years, we have been launching them off of the Casey Garage over at, by the Hilton. This year, we're actually launching them off the Linden side of things over by Catch 21. So that's actually the original place where we used to launch them off. It's a great viewing location. There's no trees obstructing it. That's kind of why we started moving things. The trees have started growing in Scranton. So um, it's a better view. I would definitely say the corner of Washington and Linden, um, you know, that whole Linden side and down probably along Adams are, are your best viewing locations this year. Well, I promise I won't tell anyone that. So you'll still have your spot <laughs> right there so you can see everything. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be the person running around looking like a crazy person all day. <laughs> well, I can't imagine why. And you have so many things you're you're telling us about food, games, bounce houses. Is there a cost for all of this? Any of this? How does that work? No, it's a completely free event. Uh, just come downtown. You know, if you want to stay and watch the fireworks, bring a chair. Come early if you want to do that. Um, a lot of people do sometimes sit on the courthouse square lawn and, you know, they just kind of sit back and relax, get food, and then they watch the Philharmonic. So it's a nice day, but it's free. And it's a nice way to celebrate our Independence Day. All right. Well, I'm going to let you issue the official invitation for Scrantastic the where, the when. Jill, the microphone is yours. So Monday, July 3rd, 4 p.m., everything kicks off Courthouse Square, downtown Scranton. Again, we're going to have food, craft vendors, games, bounce houses, face painting for the kids, local bands on the Scranton Recycling side stage, and of course, the live performance from the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic Brass and Percussion members starting at 8 o'clock. The fireworks will start at 9.45, so make sure you're there and grab your spot right there on Washington and Linden to see the best view. Odyssey's Jill Widrow with all the information on Scrantastic Spectacular Monday on downtown Scranton's Courthouse Square. It's not over yet. No, the 4th will hold the 3rd Annual Independence Day Charity Event at City View Park in Hazleton. It's from Paul and Lisa D'Angelo Family Foundation. Here's Paul with your invitation. Paul, we're ready. We're set. Yep. Because the 4th of July will be here before you know it. And once again, you are throwing, you and your whole crew are throwing quite the party. So bring us up to speed. Where, when, and what? Paula, the uh, third annual Independence Day charity event sponsored by our family foundation will be Tuesday, July 4th at City View Park. This year, Paula, we're having the event start in the morning, as we always have, with the 5 and 10K run and a family walk and run activities for the entire family. Registration, I think, starts at 7.30 in the morning. Race starts at 8.30. Finishers will get medals and those who do the best in their class will get inner awards. Then throughout the day, we have our family truck and exotic cars that we'll have on display, which are some very incredible pieces that we've accumulated over the years, as well as we'll have some athletes on hand to sign autographs. I believe we'll have some professional athletes as well as some Penn State current football players that will be on hand. Last year, we also had the Philadelphia Eagles cheerleaders, and, and we may have those as well. But throughout the day, we'll have food trucks, tricky tray raffles and and events with the Hazleton Art League for children as well as uh, entertainment from Fabergé Follies. A new addition this year, Paula, is that we added a cornhole tournament starting at noon with $1,000 worth of prize money uh, so people can register for that. So that's, we're really excited about that new addition. I expect a big turnout for the cornhole tournament. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Now let's be, I know you have all kinds of music too, so let's hold on to that for just a second. want to back up to the earlier 
earlier part of the day when you have the the run walk, the run, and you have that structured so that everybody can take part, whether they want to do a 5K run walk, whether they want to do a one-mile family walk. And did you mention that you can sign up for that right up until the morning of the event? Yeah, so you go on our webpage now and sign up for the race, and, and you're correct. It is for the entire family. So we have one-mile run for the little kids as well as we have a family walk everyone participates in. So even if you're not a runner, it's, it's a great day in the park to get out and uh, actually be involved in a fundraising event as well as a fun event for the whole family. And did you mention where this is all happening, Paul? Yes, Paul. This is at City View Park in Hazleton, and it'll be on Tuesday, July 4th. So it's actually on the 4th of July this year, which is really cool. That's why I wanted to make sure everybody who's listening is hearing this and they're so excited about all of the things you have going on. Sometimes they're not even paying attention to where and when it's happening. And this cornhole tournament, well, that's so big now. And all these prizes? We're expecting a really big turnout for the cornhole event. We're prepared to uh, have a really nice setup and, and, and looking forward to, uh, to having that be an, an excellent part of this overall event that we have. In addition to that, as you mentioned, uh, we're going to have entertainment throughout the day, which is pretty incredible stuff we got going on. And you mentioned you might get the Philadelphia Eagles cheerleaders back again, and you've got the beautiful ladies from Fabergé Follies, the Fabergé girls. And I know you never disappoint when it comes to the music aspect. Oh, I can't believe. Wait until they hear what you have as far as music's concerned. You take it, Paul. Yeah, the live music this year is uh, Separate Ways, which is a band that is the Ultimate Journey tribute show on the East Coast. In the Afternoon is a fantastic band playing. They're very uh, well known on the entire East Coast. We also have the Jeff Beck tribute band. There'll be a charge for some of the seating. I think the, the bleacher seating will be on sale for $20 a piece, and then there'll be VIP tables for $500. And those are the only ones that are charged. Otherwise, if you come out to the park, you certainly will have the opportunity to listen to the music and see the bands play throughout the, the afternoon and uh, expecting an excellent turnout for that and a fun, fun time. And it's all to benefit some very important and great local causes. So before we explain what they are. Can you give us the explanation? This is the third year. How did all of this come about? This was about five years ago or so. My family and I talked about the fact that we felt we can do more to help youth in the community. And we wanted to get started at that time with having an event to do that. Now we've since expanded this to include our collaborative autism in motion group and we, we actually have a golfing tournament for that. And we also have the Fall Classic that's associated with the foundation as well now. And uh, we have three events throughout the year now. And, and this one being what I guess was, is the main summer event of the year. But in the last two years, uh, we raised over $165,000 that we donated to 15 local organizations. And to see these kids come up to us crying and telling us, thank you for the things you did, because now we can actually go play sports and participate the local uh, events that we otherwise might not be able to if these groups didn't exist. And these local sporting teams that need support, they don't have the ability to take the time. They're busy enough having to manage the kids and the, and the schedules of the children, as well as what goes on with running the, the baseball or the, the football leagues that they're running. And they don't really have the time to deal with uh, raising money. So this gives us the opportunity to really give them a funding source that really helps them do what they need to do to have the kids come out and participate in something that changes their lives in a positive way. As we're talking about donating and the local community, this year you've got autism community, youth sports, cancer research, and disabled veterans. Absolutely. That's that's who we've donated the money to the last few years, and we'll continue to do that. And uh, again, the last few years, we've raised the money. All the dollars that are raised uh, go to, to help uh, these groups, and uh, our family contributes additional dollars on top of that, as well as our time to help put together this spectacular event at the park. It's a fun day, as well as uh, a great cause to help so many groups that really need the help. Absolutely. And it keeps getting bigger every year. So this year, again, Let's have you give everybody the rundown and, of course, the information as to where they can, because they're listening to you. And like I said, they're writing things down and they're saying, oh, it's today. But what is what time was that and where 
they can find all that information at their fingertips. So, Paul, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Okay, Paul, it's the third annual charity event for our Family Foundation, which will be held July 4th in City View Park in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. The run, walk, fun race begins in the morning at with registration at 7.30. You can pre-register for that online right now at the Paul and Lisa D'Angelo Family Foundation.org. And you can also pre-register for the Cornhole Tournament with $1,000 worth of prize money that starts at noon on the same day. And you can purchase tickets. You can look online for the source where you can purchase tickets for the separate ways uh, tribute band in the afternoon but you don't need to purchase tickets if you just want to be in the park and listen to the music and be involved in the overall event. Come to our website to get additional information at the Paul Lisa D'Angelo Family Foundation.org and we look forward to hopefully getting everyone out and having a fun day with us in the park. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.